Welcome to You Should Watch This Documentary, a podcast about documentaries you should watch, obviously, with your host, Adam Todd Brown, Jess McDonald, and Mon Rock. Hey everybody, welcome to You Should Watch This Documentary. Jess, why are you laughing already? Especially because I'm not supposed to, probably. Every time. I know. We try to bring an air of professionalism to this podcast. We try to make it a little less comedy-oriented, oh, given the uh, subject you matter. You probably should have told me that. Uh, I'm not even a comedian. You know, half but of... But today we're talking about murder. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> half of co-hosting a podcast is intuition. You should just... I feel like that's that shouldn't be a thing. We're a team. It's like if I lob you the ball, you should know you're supposed to catch it and dunk it. <laughs> <laughs> and my dog agrees. This Adam is... got a new dog. Yay. Yay. Why don't you tell that story? I have told it on so many podcasts already. <laughs> oh. Since I since I got her. She's a good but this is a this is a, a new thing because there's two dogs here now. So I'm learning how my dog interacts with other dogs and not great. <laughs> she tried to eat kooks. A little bit. <laughs> she yeah. did try to eat kooks. No. We had we are barricaded in the studio. I'll take a picture of this. And put it, my dog has an Instagram now. I don't know how that, that happened. It happens. Yeah, I didn't do it. it I think happens. the dog must have. So I will. Uh, Wait, does your dog really have an Instagram? Because I definitely want to follow that. She sure does. Okay, Winter awesome. Soldier Neeson oh, is the name. Yeah, I'm Thank in. you. Okay. And you can also follow Kooks for President. Thanks. Okay, yep. Follow um, on both of those things. Follow all the Unpops dogs on Instagram. <laughs> I don't know why they all don't have them. It's just more social media outreach for us. Put these pups to work. Yeah, we're talking about the confession tapes today. Hard. Very hard to watch. Except for the ones where the people were guilty. Those, Which, those were fine. There, there are a few. This is going to be a two-part episode because there's seven episodes of confession tapes. Normally there would be six, but I think because that first episode is two parts, there's seven episodes. So we'll talk about the first three cases on this episode. And then next episode, we're going to talk about the last three. And... I mostly just want to hear everyone's opinion on whether each of these people were guilty or not. Because I think this documentary series does a really great job of leaving that a little unclear in a lot of the cases. And if you go into this, like, like I am, I'm a fan of believing the police just always coerce people into confessing in damn near every case. Oh, yeah. And so a documentary series like this is... Like, this is my thing. Like, I'm going into this like, yes, fuck the police. Let's talk about it. A lot of these people were just simple folks. Yeah. I mean, not necessarily highly educated, just very, very simple people. It's You can really see how how it happens. Yeah. They're, they're simple people in a lot of cases, and they're people who, in a lot of cases, are in areas where people really aspire really respect authority yeah Yeah. so if they're in the room with police they don't feel like they can just get up and go i watch law and order i know how this works yeah talk to my lawyer like they're not gonna do that so should we just dive into it because the first one the first one is the one that made me want to talk about this series on this podcast because like i said i go into these like yep i don't trust the police either and then i watch this first one which is absolutely actually Two episodes called True East. And God damn it, I think these two did it. I really think they did it. I could not believe that this was an Indian family. 
this doesn't happen to Indian people. <laughs> yeah, but, but it, it did. I know. It, did. it was <laughs> shocking. Yeah. It's very yeah. shocking. It in the so the, just to give everyone some background on the crime, if you haven't watched this yet, which you should go watch it first before you listen to us spoil everything, especially in this case. Atif Rate and Sebastian Burns are the two suspects. They're also the only real witnesses to this crime, which three people, a husband and wife and their daughter, were beaten to death in their home. And uh, these two show up and, and discover the crime, and then they're immediately suspects. And boy, is it a roller coaster from there. But I, init- I this is one where I right away kind of bought the police's story over these kids. I bought that they did it when um, Sebastian made the call and they played him calling the police. I was like, he sounds like a faker. Like it did. It, like there was something about the way he was discussing the information and like what he had just walked in on that I'm like, you don't sound hysterical enough. Maybe I don't know what what it was that he was missing emotionally. Where I was like, mm, I don't really trust what you're saying. Yeah. Well, the son Atif, the police said. When they showed up, he his his mother and father had just been murdered along with his sister, and he was talking about his video player or something. Yeah, yeah his walk- walkman, his walkman and his VCR. Yeah, were someone gone. took my Walkman and my VCR. Like, and then they're like, "Did you yeah. check on your sister?" Yeah. And he goes, "Nah." Yeah, yeah. Why wouldn't you check on her? Did he hate his sister? Like, I don't understand why you. No, don't he check said on that her. he saw that she was still alive, and he was just like, "Well, there's nothing I could do." Yeah, and that never came up on the 911 call. Yeah. That someone was still alive, maybe. They just said it was a break-in. Right. And that people were dead. Like, if you knew she was still alive. You probably should have said so. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think they didn't know she was still alive because they thought they fucking killed her. Yeah. So the, the first thing that really struck me is the cop who's investigating it starts talking about their alibis. And they have rock-solid fucking alibis. They were at, like, people spot them at... A club and at a restaurant a diner, yeah. and at the movies, like at the movies when the crime is happening. So on the surface, like five alibis. No, that's really yeah. it's, a, it's one too many. <laughs> and that's what the 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 detective pointed out. He was like, taken individually, none of these things really seem that suspicious. But when you put it all together, they were really going out of their way to be noticed. Yeah, that was suspect. And that was his argument, and I I kind of bought it. Like, why are two grown dudes going to see The Lion King on a Saturday night wearing army, fucking army jackets, like, going to restaurants and ordering just a bottle of wine and a salad? Like, nobody fucking does these things. They were really trying to get fucking noticed. Yeah. It, and so I bought that. And the problem is they flee, well, they don't flee because they weren't technically under arrest. They just kind of went to Canada. And there's this this uproar from one of the people they're interviewing is Sarah Isaacs, who was Sebastian's former girlfriend. And uh, she was like, the media portrayed it as them fleeing. I mean, they did go to Canada after. But they did. I didn't they get did, that They did clear it, though, because like the, the police did know that they were going to go home. Right. So it's not really fleeing if the police know you're going and you and you go. It should like I, I don't right. know. I kind I kind of sided with her a little bit on that one because it's like, well, they did know, and then they painted it as them fleeing and and running away. Well, they didn't run away. They walked out the door. Yeah. What did you think of Dave's uh, or Sebastian's father? 
Dave Burns, the guy who swoops down from Canada to pick them up. He was so just kind of aloof about the whole thing. It was so bizarre. Yeah, Yeah, there was never, it seemed like there was never a question as to whether his kid might have done this. It was just like, well, have they charged you with anything? Come to Canada then. Yeah. It's like, mm. He seemed very much not to Very care. nonchalant yeah. about the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Very Which explained strange. his kid's personality, too, because, like, if your dad doesn't care about literally anything, well, kinda, I kind of get why you don't seem to either. And then they, they get into the funeral. There's, there's a, a, a ceremony that is like a customary thing in the Muslim religion. And this kid gets irate that no one told him that this funeral was happening. And that, too, when the, the detective was like, any fucking Muslim would know that. Like, that, that's not a, like, you would know that was a custom and that that was going to be happening. And once again, you were free to go to Canada. So if that was your thinking in going to Canada, you should have had that thinking in coming back to the United States yeah. for that ceremony. If you really thought you were that innocent and that free to go between borders, you would have fucking come back for that. And it wasn't that the police didn't tell you it was happening. Wait, Fuck I'm not it. remembering now. The crime was committed in Canada. It was committed in the United States. Oh, it was committed in Seattle. Yeah, it was okay. committed in... It was either Seattle or it, it Vancouver. Was, they were in Seattle at one point on in, the night. But I thought that they were... But I the thought crime, the parents lived in, in Canada, in they Vancouver. They had just moved to the United States. Oh, So okay. it happened... They, it, like... It, that was really blurry for me, though. Yeah. It, it seemed that they jumped the line quite a bit through different things and just throughout the course of the night, so I had trouble. Yeah. Well, what happened is they the parents, Atif's parents had just moved to the United States from Canada, and these two were friends when they were in Canada. Sebastian Burns comes to visit not long after they moved to the United States, and that's when the parents get murdered. I talked to Caitlin Cutt from the White Wine True Crime podcast and Pretty Scary, her theory is that they might have been lovers, and what? were because there is the there's the underwear evidence, which is really fucking weird. That the only thing they found in the wash in the dryer that night after the murder was their two pairs of underwear, freshly washed. Well, that's because they they just committed well because they just committed with, a murder, obviously, with, but with just naked, they were only in their underwear. But but beyond that, like. That never comes up, but I think Caitlin's kind of on to something. It could have been... I could see it. They broke us up, and this is how we stop that. Oh. I don't like that. Mm-mm. But it makes it make a little bit more sense, because like otherwise I'm just left sitting like, I want to believe that they're innocent, because I don't understand why these two young men, one with a very bright future, would just turn around and kill their parents. Like He was going to r- Cornell, right? Why, yeah. would, why would you kill your parents if you're going to Cornell? You're going to make just as much money. I thought maybe it was just, money. you know, academic pressure from the parents. Yeah, it could have been that, too. Maybe he snapped, because I know how Indian parents are. Or just insurance money. Like, there was, they did get insurance money out of it, and but, they yeah. went on a huge fucking shopping spree yeah. after they got that insurance That's such money. such a giveaway. But then even I, as, like, the best friend, I can't, if, if, my, if my friend turned to me and was like, I'm going to kill my parents, I'd be like, maybe not like that doesn't seem like a good idea no matter how close of friends you are so if they were I would be like tell me about your parents yeah yeah (laughs) yeah but these two were obviously really intelligent yeah like I think Sebastian Burns to a lesser degree yeah but they were both really smart kids who like 
back to the funeral, there was that second ceremony that happened in Canada in the video of them at that ceremony. Like at one point during this documentary series as a whole, not this particular episode, they bring up the fact that in some areas, false confession experts are not allowed in court. Right. And this seems like one of those instances where I'm like, okay, I get it. Because you look at the video of them at that second funeral, they look like fucking murderers. It's not yeah. like I've seen people. There's another case we'll talk about where it does kind of look like the guy's just in shock. Like what the fuck just happened? And he's like fucking high on Valium and that I get it. But these kids like there's a shot where he's hugging someone and looking laughing. up at the camera yeah. and the look in his eyes. I'm like, fuck, people have been convicted for way less. Like they seemed so guilty to no me. No remorse, no tears, no emotion, nothing. Yeah. And the the thing that gets people really up in arms about this case, and the reason this one is two episodes long, is because of what they finally did to catch them, which is a police tactic called the Mr. Big tactic, where it's not legal in the United States. In Canada, it was at the time. And we learned from this documentary that the Royal Canadian Mounted Police which is Canada's FBI, at some point puts wiretaps in these kids' house. And we don't ever really hear what they heard on those tapes. They're just like, okay, this is what we need to do to catch these two. And what struck me about that is in what world would another government invest that much time and effort into investigating and prosecuting a crime that didn't happen on their soil if they didn't have a damn good reason to feel like maybe those two were guilty. Like, I, that's not how foreign governments work. Right. Like, if Canada thought those two were innocent, Canada would be like, fuck you. Like, they'll come back and talk to you if they want. Like, it never works Plus Canada's that way. nice. Yeah, Canada's, <laughs> Canada's nice. Like, yeah. that's... This this whole thing like kind of gets painted as the American justice system yeah. being shitty, but Canada did this to them, and I kind of get why they did. Like when this the way this thing works, basically the the police pretend to be criminals and gain the trust of these two kids that they think are also criminals, and basically try and persuade them into confessing to this crime. And Sebastian Burns does eventually right away. Yeah, like, it was four they, months. He was so quick. He said, "So when when did well, you no, did it was like four. Yeah, well, it took yeah, him a while. Four months of you know developing a friendship, but when they got down to it, he said, "I need to know everything about that night. What happened? When did you commit the murder?" And right away, without a beat, he goes during the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, so quick. And then it when was he was so like, quick. "How do you do it and not get blood all over your clothes? You do it naked." Yeah, yeah oh. you do it naked. Oh, yeah, yeah. and you shower after. Yeah, yeah. straight and, answers. Like, that confession to me seemed really genuine. Like he the, wasn't interrogated. He wasn't broken down over fifteen hours. Right. Of hypnosis. Yeah. And, and whatever those other guys were doing. He just thought he was a really great criminal. Yeah. And that he'd fallen in with other criminals who were really powerful and could help him become a better fucking criminal. 
Which like, was kind of stupid because when I was listening to the way that they were asking the questions, I was like, why would you believe any of what this dude is saying to you? Why wouldn't you immediately yeah. be like, oh, no, you're a police officer? Because the way he was asking the questions once he upped the like the game and everything, he sounded like a police officer again. He didn't sound like a criminal. Like it was I, I just was like, oh, Sebastian, you seemed really smart. And now you seem like a stupid child. Yeah, he got once he earned his trust, he really got caught up in it. Yeah. Cuz that's when he started bringing the other people like, "Hey, I trust this guy. Tell him we committed a murder." Yeah. yeah. And goddamn Jimmy Miyoshi. That's the fucking that's the expert criminal in the bunch, I think. Oh, the reticent Asian. Like, I don't know that he was an innocent bystander. I think he was the one who was like, I'm not fucking saying anything for the rest of my goddamn life. I helped commit a murder. Are you crazy? Yeah. Like, he was the most reluctant to say anything. And it bothered me when the police, at one point, they were bringing up that there was evidence that there was another person present while the murder was happening and that Sebastian Burns said that a thief was in another room while it was happening. And he was like, see, we have evidence that there was another person there. So obviously this story is a lie, but then they also want us to believe that there was a third person involved. So that third person could have just been him. Right. Right. Who didn't ever say anything (laughs) like it. I, I really hated the way they dismissed what really seemed like solid evidence to me. The pubic hairs in the fucking shower with the dad's blood? What the fuck? Like that, that's enough. I promise you, there's there's a documentary series on right now about the murder of Lacey Peterson. There's far less evidence that Scott Peterson committed those murders than there are that these kids did this. But because the police use this crazy tactic... This is the one I posted about this immediately when I saw it. And people were like, "Mm, you sound just like the jurors. Well, yeah, because me and the jurors are right. And we're dope. (laughs) And you're an idiot who thinks everything in the documentary is obviously correct. Like, that's that's what I like about this series. It it really it, it really tests whether you're watching this just because you want your your bias toward the police confirmed. Yeah. Or if you're really open minded about it's not always that black or white which if you're one of those people who never thinks people falsely confess you should also watch this because i would falsely confess yeah i just i feel like i'm i've done this enough like i've had this talk on podcasts (laughs) and in bars and just i i I don't care how it's gonna fucking make me look in the media i'm lawyering up no same immediately (laughs) of course of course you really you really have to yeah. One one thing we'll learn from some of the other episodes is, uh, and just from true crime in general, if you're having an affair, and pretty much, if definitely for your significant other, but if almost anyone in your family dies under suspicious circumstances, and you're having an affair or have money trouble, you're going to prison. You're going yep. to prison. Oh, yeah. yeah. So yes. America does not like affairs. Nope. No, they don't. That's I think that's what sent Scott Peterson to prison. Yeah, like he maybe even did it. Like Scott Peterson might have done it, but they did not have enough evidence to convict that guy. But that's a different. <laughs> so yeah, go watch this everyone for yourself and decide. It it really goes into a lot of things that we don't have time to cover because just because we have to talk about two other episodes. But in that one, that that case, I'm not buying it. I think those people were guilty. But let's talk about Wesley Myers. Oh, this guy, I think, is 
Devastating. Very much innocent. Yeah, yeah. You could just, you could, the honesty in his face, I mean, you could just see it right away from the second he started speaking. Yeah. I was like, oh, this this guy's innocent. Yeah. Yeah, and the the real, the moment my stomach dropped for this guy came really early when the cop was like, how much have you had to drink in the past 24 hours? And he said, a case of beer. And the cop goes, a case meaning, and he goes, 24, 24. beers. Yeah. And the cop goes, woo! Yeah. I don't know if that cop was just surprised or if he was like, woo, I'm going to send this guy to prison <laughs> oh, no matter no. what. Because it, from that point, it just turned into, hey, man, look, you probably blacked out and did this, and you just don't remember it. And what you need to do to get right with the Lord is apologize to everyone. And this guy, like, how long was his interrogation? It was... Wasn't it 10 hours? 10 yeah, hours it was at least. something like that. And what happened... We'll go the crime first. He, he was dating this woman who... Did she work at that bar? Yeah, she, yeah, she was the bar. manager. She was a... Yeah, she... I don't know if she was... And she sometimes slept there. Yeah. Yeah. And on the night of March 12th, 1997, at 3 a.m., so I guess technically the morning of March 12th, there's a fire at the bar, and this this fireman shows up and immediately sees a body, and uh, first thing he says is he thinks it's a mannequin, which I have a whole fucking bit about (laughs) this. Why the fuck would it be a mannequin? But fine, fine, fine. And then he he finally sees that it's it's a body, and at that same time Wesley pulls up and is like, "That's my girlfriend's car. What's going on?" And that's when they pull him in for questioning, or, or do I don't know if they pull him in right away. I think it might be a little bit after that because he's I I, I don't know. I think he's standing there freaking out for a while. And, yeah, and then and then he goes to a strip club, or yeah. yeah, and then he has yeah he goes to a strip club and he has enough time to have twenty four. Beers. Right. And that's. Well, he's devastated. So he was going out for a drink with a friend. Right. Right. Okay. And he's those kind of people. Those are the places that they go to. Yeah. It's not like a strip club. That's like a regular thing. And what. What, the way his friend explained it was that at the bar they normally go to, there were so many people that had so many questions about what was happening. And he just kind of wanted to go somewhere else. And that strip club was just like, the next closest bar. Yeah. Right. So it's not like he was like, my girlfriend died. Uh, let's go to the strip club. Right. It was just kind of like a matter of it was there. But those are the kind of things that when stories like this make it to the press, people are like, he might as well have been having an affair. Right. Like once they hear you were at a strip club the night your girlfriend died, like it's the same thing to people. And it's really sad. America is so uptight about sex. It's, it's yeah, just for sure. unbelievable. It's, yeah. I just I felt so bad for him though. Like he he clearly had just a really really sad life. Like when he when he opens up and he's like, oh yeah, well I was married, and then it turned out she got really really sick and she had cancer, and she told me I should go out and find a new person and be happy, yeah. and so I did that and I found Teresa, and then Teresa gets fucking murdered. Like that's awful. And then he goes to jail for it. And then he goes to jail because he shows up to be interrogated without a lawyer says he had 24 beers and basically gets talked into believing that he blacked out and committed this crime yep. and just doesn't remember it. They just get them to repeat yeah. what they're telling them. Yep. And and that's a confession. And the the shittiest part in this case is they knew they had a guy on their hands who was not savvy. Like he once they had him convinced he did it, it, it seemed like he he was 
so full of remorse over it that they're like, okay, well, uh, why don't you apologize to her mother then? And then now you have him confessing to her mother and they interview her mother and it's fine. Her daughter died. We don't have to talk about her mother who was like, well, he confessed to me. Yeah. It's like, watch this documentary though. <laughs> Jesus. But they did also have a history of having a contentious relationship. Right. They, they had that, but... But they never said that either one of them put hands on the other. It was right. just that they would fight and then like, like half break, break up. up and like storm off. Yeah. And then by Friday, they'd be going out together again. And I know several couples like that. They're fine. Yeah, it's a long road from that to murder. Right. Like, I mean, not a long road. Maybe it's a few blocks. <laughs> right. But right. it's there's still some distance. Right, because there was no one who said that like she would show up to work and have a black eye or like bruises on her elbow and stuff like that. It was just like they fought sometimes. And there was that one friend that testified that she was unable to get her check, check cashed or something. Uh, yeah. So she kind of just turned on them. Yeah, there's there's two two cases. This is one of them where at the last minute, I think when the police know they're not going to get a conviction, this mystery witness just materializes. Yep. And in this guy's case, it's kind of what I think cuz he's eventually exonerated, right? Like he gets Yeah, he served I think he served 16 years and then he, he at the end of the documentary He pled to manslaughter with yeah, time served. Right, yeah. So, so he, he, it was an exchange. Right. He, he pled guilty for manslaughter during his second trial yeah during his second trial because he didn't want it to go to a jury trial because he didn't think he could win still yeah so they were like okay well time served you can you can go home now which means they weren't confident they could win still right right. and probably way less confident but at that point like the guy's life is ruined anyway he's lost i mean he's lost his his youth his livelihood yeah the uh witness's name was uh lori villalobos and she shows up telling this story about how she saw him at the bar the night of the the murder murder, uh, like around the same time and when you start looking at her background I get that you can't impeach every witness based on their background but this one you kind of can yeah she was awful she was awful (laughs) (laughs) kook says no more headphones The defense attorney, he was like, she showed up at the last minute, so I like I didn't know what to say to cross-examine her. So I was just like, so you've been sitting on this information all these months, and now all of a sudden, now you you have reason to bring it forth. Right. And she was just like, yeah. I can't. I mean, the whole system, the fact that I mean, just jurors that you're entrusting white trash civilians. With somebody's livelihood. The jurors in this case especially. I wrote down a quote from one of them. One of the jurors says, with the little evidence we... Oh, because I should backtrack before I say this. There's also hair that they find in her hand. Right, right. And they say it's similar to his hair, which in retrospect, like history has gone back and looked at hair evidence. And it's like right up there with polygraphs in terms of How is it actually being useful in court. How is it legal to lie to people during an interrogation? I don't know. How is that? 
because like, that's we what have they evidence. did. Right. We know you did it. Uh, your hair is the hair that we found at the crime scene. So you did it. So are you going to tell us that you Wait, did it? I didn't it, think or? that they were allowed to lie yeah, like how that, can you though. Do I that? didn't think, I, I, guess, I guess I'm wrong. I guess yeah. they can do that, but well, I thought they couldn't. In that case, they're not really saying, they're, they're saying we know what we're going to find when we test it. And that's like, that's I them. I thought they told them the hair was a match. They might have, yeah. I thought, I thought they did too. Um, actually, no, I think they did because at one point it comes up that they never actually tested the hairs. Yeah, right. They just said. They looked at it under a microscope and they're like, yeah, it looks yeah. like it is. Yeah, which makes this quote from one of the jurors that much more infuriating. With a little evidence we did have, we found him guilty. The hair evidence could have been his. That is not how it works. No. Holy no. shit. No. And then the hair was tested. Yeah, yeah. The t- hair was tested like the 16 years later, and they were like, "Oh yeah, no, it doesn't match him at all." Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, so that that's uh, that's the second case. I think we're all in agreement. In, in, in agreement. Yeah, he was. He made me sad. Yeah, he was. He was a bad, bad, bad story. What's the third one? Trial by fire. Now this one, I, I Jess, you think this woman did it, right? No, she did not. <laughs> I don't entirely think she did it, but but I kind of do. But I still don't think that she should have been convicted the way that she was. I have like an inkling where I just feel like she did it, but that's just like it's one of those things where somebody comes on the screen and they rub you the wrong way. Like I have no reason to believe without a doubt that she did it, so I wouldn't have convicted her based off of what they presented. But I'm still kind of like, mm, she seems like she might have though. But that was just a personality thing. So this is this is what happened with this this woman. Her name was Karen Bowes. Her daughter was named Robin Bowes. Robin was found dead in their home after a fire. And Karen was she was leaving for vacation at the time, right? She went thir- with a friend. She went to go shopping with her she friend thirty minutes away. Yeah. Bogo. Probably yeah. some bogo action happening De- at Payless. Definitely. Yeah. So she's in a blaze to get out of there to get these po- BOGO deals. <laughs> blaze. <laughs> There's a house fire later. That's fine. They get a call saying that uh, Karen's house is on fire. So they go back. And Karen tries to run into the house saying her daughter's there. They hold her back. And sure enough, her daughter is in there. And her daughter's dead. The thing that makes this case weird for all involved parties is there's a fucking gas can in her bedroom and boy does the mom say the wrong thing right when she's getting interrogated because they ask they give us the backstory on this gas can which at first when i heard that the mom knew there was a missing gas can i was like how the fuck did you know that but apparently these like four dudes showed up and built a campfire on their property at one point and took this this gas can just goes missing when they're interrogating the mom they bring up that get. They had also been saying the daughter might have committed suicide. Yeah, right. so she literally said it. It was a natural, natural yeah. comment. Like you didn't find it in her bedroom, did you? Because she's hoping that it's not the worst case scenario. Right. She's hoping that her daughter didn't commit suicide. I thought it made complete and total sense. And I did too. And that's what the police hit on, though. Where when they were like, "Okay, no one told you there was a gas can." in that room, why would you ask that? Well, because you were just leading... You're concerned you're a mother. You were leading toward that fucking conclusion, clearly. And that, yeah, but that's the thing that kicks off her interrogation. And it's another case where there's no lawyer. Like, 
these people just, they don't even know. They, they can't afford a lawyer, most of them. Right. But is she the one where they brought in, like, the pastor person, friend, or whatever, to talk to her? Or They brought in some friend of hers to talk to her. Yeah. And he, like, really goaded her into, like, feeling calm and relaxed speaking with him. And then she kind of started to break there. And that, I thought, was super unfair. I don't think you get to bring in somebody's friend and yeah. have them have the conversation. I don't think that that's how that should go at all. I think it's super unprofessional and should be illegal the, if it's uh, not. Yeah, they that was one of the the characteristics of her interrogation is there was just, just this series of different people. Right. Like at one point there's like an ATF guy interrogating her and it's just like And you're in a state anyways. I mean, your daughter just died. You don't know how this happened. You don't know how you could have allowed this. Is it your fault? What happened? They're literally convincing her that she snapped and did this during a blackout rage or something like that. I mean, it, when you're that fragile, yeah, you know, you're you you could easily think, oh my god, d- did I do this? How? I, I don't understand. I mean, and it's, then yeah, they start getting her to try and talk about whether she maybe did it in a dream. Yeah, like did you ever dream about yeah, that maybe was, you yeah. set your daughter on fire? That was really that weird. That was a pattern throughout the series, this whole dream sequence. Yeah, e- it was either dreams or you're in so much blackout. shock over yeah. what you did, you just blacked out, or you have a hidden demon inside you, Yeah, which that one was... Oh. Yeah. The second half of this, I think, has the most infuriating cases, but... Uh, I'm just thinking about one now. But this one, I, I did honestly think this woman was innocent that this confession out of all of them well no not out of all of them but this was one of the the confessions where just at every turn i was like fucking come on like you're talking about dreams now yeah that was pretty ridiculous are you yeah and they brought in the 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 fire expert who uh seemed kind of convincing at first like that's what that's what they uh convict her on is her confession and then also this fire expert who says, well, there's flames outside the bedroom and the bedroom door was shut. So uh, there was also gas spread. Like, that's where the fire started, obviously. And also that she told her friend that she hated her daughter. Her daughter right. was a reckless teenager, though. I mean, right. my mother hated me when I was that age. And I can't even count the numbers of times I threatened suicide when I was a teenager <laughs> almost every day. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's, I think the saddest part is when her husband turns on her and is just, because then I was like, mm, did you maybe do it? But Yeah, because he did a little bit seem... Uh, of the two, I, he, would, he would be the one that I'd look at and go, where were you when this happened? Because you seem angry. Yeah. Like, that guy seemed angry. And it was really sad how they, like, this is a case that eventually they turned kind of to the media to start trying it. And that's the point where the husband is even like, yeah. I mean, because she, of the affair. Right. Yeah. She had an affair. Yeah. And so she lost the husband's trust. And so then the husband's like, well, if she cheated on me, then she probably killed her daughter. Because those two things go hand in hand. Definitely not. Definitely not. Yeah. And uh, she does make a, a series of really key mistakes in her uh, interrogation. Like when her lawyer shows up and she immediately goes, apparently I did it. Yeah. Pump the brakes, lady. 
let your lawyer get that information out of you. Yeah. Because she wasn't saying, I did this. Right. She was saying, apparently, that's what they said, so I guess I did it. Yeah. They told me I did it. So they're the police. They're the authority. So if, if they're telling me I did it, then I must have done it. Right. It's just blind trust. Because I do have to wonder, how is somebody supposed to light gasoline on fire and then drive 30 minutes away and then the house is fully on fire and your daughter who was in the room with the gas can is dead? That's part. That's the part where I just like, physically I don't understand how you, you go, you set the house on fire and then you're able to drive that far away before anybody notices your house is on fire. And someone would smell gas. Right. Like, you can't be in a room with an open gas container and not kind of smell like gas. Right, right. But especially if you're dousing it all over the the house. Right. Which her clothes, by the way, they tested, had no evidence of being in contact with gasoline. Her daughter was sleeping. Right. Right? Right. That's... Their story is that her daughter was sleeping. That's the prosecution's story. The the defense brought in another, uh, like, a competing arson investigator who like at the like this guy i believed like he went through the burn patterns on the daughter and was like these are consistent with someone pouring a liquid and then bending over to light it and his problem was he wasn't 100% sure if she lit the fire or if she intended to light the fire but had a candle going and that candle ignited the fumes first that's the only thing he was unsure of Everything else, he was like, this girl lit this fire. And then again, when you hear the jurors talk, they're like, well, the other guy just painted a clearer picture of how it could have happened. And it's like, no, he didn't. And even if he did, this other guy made a pretty good point, too. And that's how reasonable doubt is supposed to work. If there's two theories that you think are plausible, I just think you that jurors are—they're just so unhappy with their lives, and people just want to punish somebody. I mean, that's just what the whole thing felt like to me. Just people just want to be like, "Yeah, this person's gonna suffer for no reason at all," just because I don't know. And I—I I wonder how much of like I—I I can picture jurors getting in those situations and. I don't know, man. If you're not that smart, you're really going to overthink it to try and seem smart. Yeah. Like, to try and seem like you really put a lot of thought into this when you probably had your mind made up right. from yeah. the beginning. And hearing someone say, well, the other guy just painted a better picture of how it happened. Yeah, but the other guy said the fire started in the hallway and there was no gas in the hallway. That's not... At that point, it's not about painting a better picture. That's science versus science. And one guy's science was way better. Right. But this particular juror hit on the fact that that guy couldn't say if she lit it herself or if a candle caused it. Who the fuck cares? That guy was sure that the kid lit the fire. Right. And she had the burn marks to prove it. What the fuck? I don't get it. I don't get it. (sighs) But she did. uh, She went to prison. She is still in prison. Just some of the things that come up during her interrogation, like when she's not giving the answers they want. At one point, the guy goes, so you found the gas can and realized your daughter had it all along, so you got mad at her about that, right? No mom's going to fucking set her daughter on fire because she took a gas can for two weeks. Like, 
Yeah, that is a really intense That's jump. That's such right there. a crazy they stretch just will throw to make. Anything at them, anything they can. It's sick. Also, though, did everyone see the the? They kept showing that scene in this episode where they had the gas can like on a witness stand with a microphone in front yeah. of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> State your name for the court. <laughs> can gasoline? Gasoline can. <laughs> where were you the day this murder happened? On the floor. I'm gonna go through the whole case if everyone's fine. Nice <laughs> back to back voices. Yeah, this is another one where a shady witness comes along at the last minute that was the woman from AA, which you're not supposed to like tell people what yeah, people tell you. Yeah, that's the anonymous part. Yeah, that's not... She was just in the alcoholics group, I guess. <laughs> Didn't realize the anonymous part was happening. But she comes out and says that, yeah, this woman said that uh, she hated her daughter. It's like... Mm. Uh. But a lot of people said they hated her daughter. <laughs> <laughs> Go investigate all of them. So yeah, this woman though she uh, she ends up in in prison, and uh, her final words in this episode are words to live by: get an attorney and don't speak. Yep. Yeah, yes, yeah. That's every fucking case, whether you did it or not. Especially, I don't know. Especially if you didn't do it. Don't speak. Right. <laughs> that was. I don't want did you really not know the last word of that line? No, it's I, saying, I didn't, I didn't don't know. speak. I noticed I, what you're saying. I, I don't know. I don't know any songs. <laughs> it stands to reason so that it would stupid. be speak. So yeah, this, uh, that's, that's uh, the confession tapes. The first four episodes anyway, which is technically three episodes. You get it because the first episode's two. Whatever. What the fuck? <laughs> we should wrap this one up though because we have to do another one. Yeah. Wee. And then I have to record two episodes with Quincy Johnson today. Oh. Mm. We're talking about the Iranian nuclear deal. Ooh. And Bollywood. What? Okay. What? Why was I not invited for that? <laughs> That's a good question. I don't know why not. <laughs> Should have done that. So, yeah. Do we have anything to plug before we get out of here? Hey, listen to the rest of the, or watch the rest of the confession tapes before the next episode. Yeah. I will plug what I'm doing tonight, as I always do, because it doesn't make any sense. Nope. I am performing at UCLA. So, if you guys want to go back in time two weeks. (laughs) Do it. (laughs) If you figure out how, yeah. And then let us know how you did it. Yeah. I want to see that. What do I have to plug? I have a show at Flappers, October 17th. That's a Tuesday. Very nice. You can come to that. And uh, we have a live podcast Saturday, October 28th at the Hollywood Hotel. It's free. It's going to be a damn good time. It's also a Halloween party. So come out to that. Go to our Facebook page for more details. We have an event set up. Jess, do you have anything to plug? Not really. I'm going to that. And my birthday is next week. Yay. Yay! Finally, you're getting older. Thank God. (laughs) Yeah, it's about fucking time. (laughs) All right, let's get out of here so we can uh, talk about the last three cases on the next episode. Jess, say goodbye. Bye. Come on, Rock, say goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. We love you.